Welcome to the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast with pastor, author, teacher, Dr. Travis Tyler. I am Zachariah Pugh, and I will be your host for today. We really appreciate you joining us. We are on to season two um, of the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast, and we are excited about that. We appreciate your listenership. And um, like we said last week, we've started to do this video podcast. So if you're looking on Spotify, you can see Travis in his beautiful office there, and then you can see me as well. So I don't know if that's good or bad. We'll see if uh, if listenership goes down then we'll know um, that we need to stop doing the video podcast. Right, Travis? I guess so. Yeah. So, but hopefully you're enjoying it. Hopefully you're sharing the podcast. Uh, I was just double checking today, Amazon, Google, Spotify, uh, Apple, and then even iHeartRadio. Uh, I've put us up on iHeartRadio. So they have a podcast uh, platform that you can listen to there. So we've been going through this study on the attributes of a mature Christian. What does a mature Christian look like? Uh, last week we did contentment, which was a really great episode. So hopefully you'll go back and listen to that. And then this week, um, we're doing confession versus repentance. And what's that, what's that look like? So number nine, the mark of a mature Christian, no stranger to confession, repentance and loving confrontation. Freedom is a high value, not only for themselves, but also for those around them and does not practice in denial. So there's some pretty deep, heavy stuff here, Travis, as we dive in today, but I think it's good for us to uh, to check ourselves on this and see kind of where we stand. Yeah, it turns out denial ain't just a river in Egypt, huh? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so the you were, waiting, you were waiting all week for that, weren't you? I was. I had that one queued up, ready for you to go. <laughs> What's really fun is when your kids get to the point where they enjoy dad jokes too as much as you do. Now that's a lot of fun. You know? And then they get to the point where they make fun of you for your dad jokes, right? Like well, we're not I'm there not yet. That stage yet. Uh, so it's a real simple concept today, right? Uh, there's, it's just real easy. And that is mature Christians, men and women, you should be quick to repent, quick to confess, quick to repent. And also, what goes with this, kind of like the last episode where we did contentment and peace go together, then confronting people in their sin goes with this as well. They're they're two sides of the same coin, aren't they? So let's kind of talk about it, I guess. Um, Zach, if if I were to ask you, what's the difference between confession and repentance? What would you say? I would say that confession is when you say, hey, this is something I've done. Like I've, I, you know, I was, I had anger, like, Lord, forgive me for yelling at that driver on the road. And then repentance would be, Lord, I've got to stop doing this over and over again. You know, like I got to stop, like I'm repenting that this is a problem with my anger. Try to getting down to the root issue. Like my issue may be, I yelled at a driver on the road, but what's the root of that? Well, the root of that is anger, you know, and my repentance would be, Lord, I'm going to turn away from this. I'm going to learn a Bible verse. I'm going to try to figure something out to stop doing this long term. Yeah, I think you're on to something there. I mean, you can have, is it possible to have confession without repentance? Yes. I think I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I know what I do wrong and, and will apologize, but then do I change? You know, is there, a, am I am I actually turning away from it and going the other way? 
So the first first step, I guess, almost like confession, I almost look at it like confession's part of repentance, but it's not all the way, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, confession really is that we're we're identifying our sins in our lives biblically, and we're in concise agreement with God about those sins and asking for God to forgive us, right? Confession means that we agree with him about it and that we're in community uh, with him and with others in our local churches. And I would argue that if you're a Christian and you don't have a local body of believers, confession's harder for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's nobody to hold you accountable when you're slipping up. Or if you go to different churches, if you're somebody who's not involved with the same body, you know, the same, the same group of believers, it's, it's hard it's hard to do that as well. It's almost like, and I think we're going to get to this later. It's almost like when you apologize, you know, to your wife, you're like, I'm sorry. If I offended you. Yeah. I'm sorry. But the, <laughs> and, yeah, anyway, I'm, if you I'm, ever I'm, want to avoid anything, <laughs> like if you're trying to confess something to your spouse, listen, if I upset you, I'm sorry. Like you <laughs> yeah. might as well have just kept your mouth shut. Like that, that yeah, was worth right. nothing. Or if you, you say, know? I'm sorry, but. Oh yeah, that voids everything. It's my, all void. My yeah, well that's I try not to use but at all, quite frankly, because I think anytime yeah. you say, "Hey, and my my boys, I love my boys." Jonah is bad for saying, "No offense," but <laughs> <laughs> which means what I'm about to say is highly hurt, offensive. Yeah, but I don't want you feelings. to get upset with me. That's right. No, it, but I'm going to say it anyway. So just don't a, yell at me. He's a professor, just like I am. But what I was going to say was, it's like saying, and I think I have a lot of people do this. It's something that I do. I'm sorry. But then the whole, please forgive me, you know, and it's crazy. It's like, yeah. babe, I'm sorry I yelled at you, you know. I I really would <sighs> argue. Please forgive would, me. That's so hard to do sometimes. Yeah, I would argue that Christians probably shouldn't say I'm sorry. That probably sounds shocking to people that shocking. are listening, right? Breaking news. But. Uh, I, I, to me, I'm sorry works maybe in a situation where you accidentally stepped on somebody's foot inadvertently. It's a good point. Yeah. It's almost like a, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking that through. I wasn't aware of the spatial issues that were around me. That is my fault, but you know, I'm, I'm, and then, but forgive me acknowledges the fact that I, purposefully was wrong you yeah. like I, it was more point. intentional and it's not okay what i did i agree with you that it's not okay and i'm I'm seeking forgiveness from you yeah no i think that's a really good point and i know we're going to touch on that here in a little bit so have we defined what confession is do we need to do that yeah confession just means to agree with god about our sin and community with others through the local church and in your marriages it means that we agree with his response to those sins According to the Word of God, that's basically and, what it means. And since you're a good old Southern Baptist preacher, I know that you're either going to have some fun acronyms or seven points or multiple uh, points. That, well, I, I didn't actually come <laughs> up with it. This is not mine. I think Robert Williams came up with this, and they use it a lot. The a resource I would recommend to people if you want to read more about this would be in the Peacemaker Studies, mm-hmm. Ken Sandy and the guys out west, mm-hmm. very helpful in these areas. But um, the seven A's of confession, and we're going to go through this quick because we've got other things to do. But first of all, address everyone involved and only them. So if it's only two people involved, only two people need to know about it. But if it's 102 people involved, then 102 people need to know about it in the confession. Talk to them about your faults. Uh, do it right away. 
the longer you let things linger, the worse it'll be. Uh, one of my deacons has a sign up in his office. He's a lawyer. And it says, you know, to put off the hard thing for later, or excuse me, it says to put off an easy thing for later makes it hard. Mm. And to put off the hard thing for later makes it impossible. Yeah. And that's a similar thing. That's the same thought process with confession. So go immediately. Only talk to the people who are part of the problem or part of the solution or both. Right. So. Yep. Avoid if, but, and maybe, which we've already kind of talked about that, so I'm not <laughs> going to go on that. Uh, three, admit specifically what you did when possible. Be specific, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, apologize. I would recommend using language of forgive me, which acknowledges what you did was not right, which is the next one. Ask for forgiveness. And if you're being the confronter, you may have to get the log out of your own eye first before you That's can right. even get there. Uh, six is accept the consequences. Make restitution. Uh, it, it's what you ought to do. Don't demand and pretend like nothing happened. Like some people just want to sort of hit, think it just hits a reset button without any consequences. But sometimes there's consequences yeah. even after you ask for forgiveness. For example, if you go and get a credit card for Visa and run up a bill of $20,000 one night, partying it up and living it up, you may call and ask for Visa for forgiveness if you missed a payment, but they're not going to just let that debt go. You know what I mean? There's, you're going to have to pay that off, yeah. you know, one way and, or and, and, and when we wound each other, you know, there may be forgiveness and there may be restitution both ways, but there's probably a, a wound there and then there's a scar and, you know, scars don't go away. They're there. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not like it just, it's, I think that's a lot of times I think kids, when you're trying to teach them about forgiveness, they think that when you do that, it's like all is, you know, it's, it's over with. And it is. I mean, it is over with. I mean, we forgive and we forget. Uh, and Jesus said we forgive 70 times 7. But it doesn't mean that there has to be trust rebuilt and other things like that. Yeah. And then uh, you need to alter your behavior. Hmm. You know, yeah. That's 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 moving us into repentance, isn't it? So. Absolutely. Yeah, very good. So we've learned about confession. We've learned about how to, to, to properly confess our sins. Now we're on to repentance. And this is what we talked about, the two the two differences. So um, let's define the, the definition of repentance, Travis. I just think it's real simple, a heart change and, and, mm. and transformation. So this process starts with confession and you won't have repentance without confession. You can't have that. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I guess the most iconic example of true repentance in the Bible has got to be King David. Um, we're all familiar with his sin and transgression that he should have been with the men where they were on the front line decides to stay back on his palace roof there looks down gets an eyeful from a beautiful woman named Bathsheba who's bathing on the rooftop best case scenario he brought her in and you know with his power seduced her I guess and riches uh, worst case scenario he raped her Right. Depending on, you know, which one. And then to add insult to injury, she gets pregnant. He sends her husband to the front line. Carrying his own execution papers. Mm. I mean, it's pretty bad, you know, and this is the man after God's own heart. This is King David. Yeah. Well, you know, the story, Nathan comes in. He tells the story of the sheep. Man had a lot of sheep. Man had one. You know, Nathan could have been executed. David could have killed Nathan. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could have easily happened. But he had the bravery to confront, and uh, David repents. And, and Psalm 51, 1 through 19, records his confession. It becomes very clear in his actions following. Uh, 
that he is repentive and he dies, you know, well, you know, in the Lord after his confession and repentance. I think the principle is this, you know, I, I sometimes hear people ask, well, you know, if a pastor commits adultery, are they permanently disqualified? If a pastor has been remarried, are they permanently disqualified? Like I get these kind of questions sometimes as pastors. And I'm going to quote Dr. Herschel York, who fine pastor, one of my preaching professors, Southern. He said, your repentance must become more notorious than your sin. Mm-hmm. Then and only then can you move forward in some kind of called ministry capacity like the pulpit. And I think that's pretty good counsel, you know, um, and that probably stands for other church leadership positions. You know, your repentance must become more notorious than your sin. Mm, that's really, really good stuff. So you, you've done a good job of setting up uh, the, the differences here between confession and repentance. Now, <clears throat> a little bit more of a difficult situation when we have to confront or be confronted uh, by brothers and sisters when we have sin in our life that maybe we're not noticing. So as we move on, we move to loving confrontation, which is this one can be kind of tough. Um, what What is loving confrontation and why do we need to do it? So the defining mark of loving confrontation as opposed to just plain old, I'm going to slap you in the mouth confrontation would be this. Um, In loving confrontation, there is two goals, right? One goal is to honor God. And the second goal is to see the person that you're confronting conform in in a greater way to the image of who Christ is. So you're helping them move forward to who Christ is. Now, if you talk about confrontation in the world, usually it's because somebody's been inconvenienced by another person. They're upset by that and they're going to get a pound of flesh over it. Right. Mm. You, you're, you're not interested in loving confrontation of manipulating somebody to do what you want for the sake of, of you want it. You're interested in them becoming more like Christ and God being honored in that process and in the whole process from start to finish. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. So here's a here's a principle, right? Like, Because one question that's going to immediately arise is, when do I do this? In particular, those of you who are married and listening to this, you, you may be asking that question a lot because, let's be honest, we— we sin against our spouses all the time. They mm. sin against us all the time. So are we just to have daily sit down, loving, you know, <laughs> confrontations? I do. 4, 4, 4.45 p.m. every day uh, at the pew house. And, schedule uh, it because yeah, there's usually exactly. enough offense and sin in a day yeah. to, to schedule we usually, those. We usually allot 20 to 30 minutes for the confrontational. Uh, I call it, I can actually call it moments of intense fellowship. Yeah, you go. Uh, some guys, you know, they say, I just start my, my day off with an apology to my wife. I don't even know what I did. I just started <laughs> or out. Or what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for whatever is going to happen. <laughs> so so here is here is my rule. This is what I tell people. I, I, I call it the three-day rule. Okay. So, you know, there's a difference in a in a day between a pinch and a and a bigger fight that I would, I would use a different term to define, like, uh, like almost like a combustion, like an explosion, you know, mm. a crunch is the term I use. Pinches add up to crunches over time. And, uh, you, if you get pinched, you know, that can be intentional or unintentional. And you're not sure if you should talk to your spouse or to somebody at church or whoever about it, uh, wait three days and, and then ask yourself after three days, if you're still cons- as consumed and upset 
and thinking that it's really a hindrance to their, you know, sanctification and growth. And if the answer is still yes, then go ahead and, and move forward with confronting them. I think that's really good. Three days. Th- that's tough for some people who read the scripture that says, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And, you know, I've been married and it's, I, I now think I'm, some, talking, I'm talking about borderline ones right now. Yeah. Like, and I, and I'm I get, not, and I get know, that. Very blatant ones need that, right? Like, yes, but, but I was even going to say though, sometimes you got to know your audience. You know, if yeah. your wife said go to bed at nine o'clock kind of person, you know, and gets up at 5 a.m., you may not be able to, to, to knock that out, you know, in the evening. You may have to kind of. Oh, well, sometimes it makes it worse because yeah. like, say you started, like I go to bed, I'm, I'm heading towards bed at 10, 15, 10, 30 every night. Not a great time to start an argument, you know, if you. Or hash it out from the day. Yeah, know, exactly. I can remember a, there was a movie and I'm not endorsing the movie. It was uh, being Malcolm Gladwell or what and something like that. Anyway, it was like in this guy's brain, all these different people had responsibilities in his brain. Like one was logic, one was emotion, all that. You know, it's like by 10 o'clock in my brain, the the main, the general contractor up there is like, <laughs> all right, logic, you can go to bed now. You're done for the day. You know, like uh, making sense of difficult questions. You're done for the day. So you bring up something that, to me at 1030, like let's hash out, you know, some sort of deep fight or whatever yeah. or conflict. It's not a great time, you know, yeah. like. Let's go to bed and be fresh in the morning. You know, I do much better in the morning. So the 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 three points, you're unable to, to get the incident out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number two, you're unable to have a normal relationship with the person who has offended you or sinned against you. So this is, yeah. you've sat on this for a few days and man, you're, you're, you're hindered. Yeah. yeah. You're hindered. Mm-hmm. Uh, you believe they've done something against you and, and it's not, and they're not coming to you is another one there as you're hashing that out in those three days time period. And sometimes you're going to know right away, right? But these are the ones that are kind of border to help you guide through that. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little more about how to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we need, we got a few minutes here on how to do it. We've been hurt. So how do we move forward on it? Well, there's a lot of work that needs to be done that you need to do before you confront somebody first. And you need to, first of all, define the problem, Right. Uh, you got to ask some questions. What are you confronting them about? What did they say or do? What sin is really involved? Use biblical language. Yeah. Uh, what is the impact that's had on you and others in their relationship with the Lord? And how does that person need to change? You know, use scripture. Try not to use your own thoughts, right? They are useful for rebuking and correction. Scripture is uh, your own thoughts or your own thoughts, yeah. you know, and sometimes you can be wrong. Second thing I would say, get that log out of your own eye. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 warns us about that. You know, you can't pick a piece of sawdust out of somebody else's eye if you've got a two by four sticking out of yours. So, you you know, anytime you sit down with somebody, I think it helps lower defenses. If you will say, you know, I do this a lot. Like if I see somebody struggling, I'm say, you know, I've noticed you're struggling with this. I struggle with the same thing. Uh, can we talk about it? Can yeah. we work on this together? And, you know, that's very low-key confrontational. Like, that's going to bring the whole conversation down. You got to remember, you're talking to somebody. How would you want somebody to talk to you if it was reversed, right? So how would you want them to come to you if it was reversed and the shoe was on the other foot? And you need to talk to them that way. Yeah. 
uh, you got to prepare your heart. That's probably one of the hardest parts of the whole process. Uh, make sure you got the right motives, right, to glorify God, to turn your brother and sister away from sin, and most importantly, be, recon- be reconciled to their relationship to God first and their relationship to you. Uh, this is not a win-your-case-strength battle. Uh, plus, just out of curiosity, Zach, when your intention is just to win an argument in a confrontation, how many times have you convinced somebody who was in an opposite view of you? For me, it's like none. Yeah. You end up just losing. I mean, it's just. It's just going to yeah. be loss and loss. <clears throat> um, make your attitude right is another one. Attitude of gentleness, patience, humility, and genuine concern. Those should all be communicated. You know, it's not going to be, listen, I'm in here to get my pound of flesh. And I've had people say that to me in my office as a pastor. I'm in here to get my pound of flesh from you, pastor. All right. We didn't well, get far. And I think too, I, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm bad for this. I, there may be things that are legitimate, um, things that need to be talked about, like where there needs to be yeah. loving confrontation, but you tend to bring, you know, it's like you, you've been holding them, you know, that's why I think this is really good to kind of go through and try to, to, to make, um, applicable in your life. You've been holding on to these things because you've not addressed them, and then a fight breaks out, and then all of a sudden you just start rebuking. <laughs> you know, you just start bringing all this stuff to the table, and it may be legit. Like it may be yeah, stuff you don't that want. You don't needs want to, to be worked on. Yeah, you don't want to do a what I call, and this is a very common technique people use in confrontation. I call it punch and run. So, like to give you an example, Zach and I obviously, Zach, do we have any? Are we working through any confrontations with each other right now? No. All right, so this is all made up and fabricated. What I'm going to do, I'm totally so, fabricated, and I'm just going to pretend like I'm on. I can, I can, I can do something wrong if you want me to. I'm like, very good at doing no, bad things. No, not necessary. Okay. So you know, I say, Zach, when we go fishing, you always make me pay for the bait. You know, there's a punch, and then before you get a chance to address that, then I move over and say, Zach. Whenever we go out to eat, you always pick the restaurant and never let me pick, you know, and I punch you there. And then on and on it goes. Now, that's all fabricated. You know, that's not even issues that we face. But you can see that happening in a in a lot yeah. of conversations. And it's it's punch and run, bob and weave. Nothing gets dealt with. It's just you're vomiting emotionally on another person. And it's right. not glorifying to God. It doesn't help reconciliation. And it certainly doesn't help that person. Well, and it certainly it'll hurt when you do come back. If you, even if you come back three days later and try to do it the right way, that bad memory is still hanging in there for that person. Oh, yeah. You know, so. they're going to be, they're going to be hiding from you in the grocery store and everywhere. I mean, I, you know, they're not going to want to talk to you. So we got to make sure uh, the attitude is right. We got to make sure your content is good, mm-hmm. um, that you're not punching and running and then pray for effectiveness in communicating your concerns. You uh, everything starts before. with prayer, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I almost went with a quote here on usually, what begins with praise, or excuse me, usually what ends begins in prayer will end in praise. Praise mm-hmm. to God and hope yeah. and praise. But if you start with praise, usually it won't end in, you know, in praise. You know what I mean? So yeah. You know. All right, because uh, you know you can get a little you can get a little cronies around you. Like yeah, tell them off. Yeah, it's your right. Yeah, it's just not helpful. It's yeah, not helpful. it becomes gossip. We talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, like only talk to the people that you know, like when you're confessing or. You know, only talk to the people that are involved in it because you start bringing other people in and, you know, you're telling your story from your side, you know, your perspective. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's terrible. That's awful. And then, you know, awful. And then all of a sudden you've just turned into it's just a big giant gossip session, you know, where you're just hammering each other. Exactly. 
And then the moment of confrontation, a few, few things I want to point out here. Don't go to Applebee's for a confrontation, right? Don't don't go somewhere public. <laughs> don't do that. Go to Pals I mean, where you can do the drive-through. You you need to yeah, you need to think of confrontation. It's a moment of intimacy in a relationship. Yeah. You don't have intimacy with your spouse at Applebee's. No. You don't have confrontational discussions at Applebee's. You know how many people is going to lean in and try to overhear your conversation that have no idea who you are? Or worse yet, if you're in a small town like me, there will be people who know who you are because there are only one or two people removed from knowing you. Right. Be private about it. Right. Yeah. Plan for an atmosphere where distractions are minimal. You know, so don't, I love... don't, don't corner your wife in her um, walk-in closet either, though. Not that no, bright. Not... I, wouldn't, I mean, don't be, yeah, don't be weird. Don't make it weird, you know. So, yeah, I think there's a Me Too movement about stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, affirm, affirm your genuine affection for the person before you begin the confrontation. You know, I love you. Here's some things I really appreciate you. I used to tell people when we were on staff, uh, I would call it the uh, confrontation sandwich. So here's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> you tell them something you love about them and appreciate about them. You give them the bad news, and then you tell them something you love and appreciate about them. Studies have shown that people need to hear about 10 affirmations to one negative mm -hmm. comment. Yeah, absolutely. That's marriage 101. So really, right really the sandwich, and I would actually argue today it's probably 20 to 1. Yeah. So you probably need to, like, you know, that's going to feel a little weird. 10's fine. You know what I mean? If you even get one in, that's that's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something Two's just better. praising each other. You yeah. know, and that's something I, I was looking up as I was doing our research for this podcast. If you look up even the root word for confession, and just what that means, it's, it's, there's a praise aspect to it. Yeah. Um, which is pretty incredible to think about confessing and even repentance. There's actually a praise aspect to it. I kind of took it as like, thank you, Lord, for not wiping me off the face of the earth. I'm sorry that I did this. You know, I'm sorry that I am, that my flesh is out. And it, it is, it's like it, it even said like confessions, like being open handed and even praising God. And so pretty incredible to think how important that is. If that's the meaning, the root meaning of the Hebrew and the, you know, from, from thousands of years ago. Doing good. Doing good. All right. Um, so affirm them, share your perspective, honestly, and clearly use biblical language like pride instead of self-esteem. Don't, don't use self-esteem. Yeah. Not helpful. That's a secular word. Don't try to build mountains of evidence. That's not helpful. Maintain a spirit of inquiry. Don't assume your observations and conclusions are infallible and get the whole story. Yeah. Right? Don't just make assumptions. Uh, then you can go in after you've done those things with it. Offer biblical counsel and solutions. Be prepared to present an appropriate course of action. If you don't feel comfortable, refer them and get help from church leaders. Uh, and then give them sufficient time. They may need to think about it, think through what they've said. You know, you may not get immediate response and repentance, but think about your own salvation. You may not respond to the Holy Spirit immediately anyway. Not much difference here. And then um, follow up. Ensure that the results are there. Uh, if you if you don't things don't go well, give some time, and you may have to pursue the next level in Matthew eighteen if necessary. All right. So, 
we've learned how to confront somebody. We probably should have done this one first. Now what happens when you're being confronted? So Well, we we've, we've sort of covered this in confession, right? Yeah. You want to listen humbly and prayerfully. You want to confess, express sorrow, uh, not only about your actions or words, but the motives behind it. Uh, you need to identify the lessons learned and ways you're going to change. You need to ask for forgiveness and thank and affirm them for, for doing that because it's hard to confront other people, particularly if you've got a personality that is non-confrontational. And then, you know, if it's you're on the other side, you're receiving a confession, you got to tell that person you forgive them, thank them, right? Ask if there's any offense you've done towards them. And then as best as you're concerned, declare this episode done and gone. I mean, there may be some consequences that have to be dealt with, you know, kind of like paying off the credit card or whatever, but right, it's over. So <clears throat> what are some of the things in, in brief that you've seen with people when they're confronted? Like how, what are the things that people maybe do where they mess this up? Like, I mean, is there, I think with most, with most, I mean, I'm sure you have a list, but what is the most common thing? Like people just don't want to hear the truth. Like how do you reconcile that with someone who, you know, they're just, they, they the don't. Most, so I, I hate to, you know, I've lectured you all the whole time here about using biblical words, but the most common responses to confrontation are fight or flight. And we don't want either one of those. So sometimes, most of the time, most of the time when I've confronted people, it's been flight. It's been a little bit of fight, and then it's been flight, and then they cut and run, and they're just gone. You know, I'll just go to the yeah. church down the street, and and they continue on in their sin. You know, we're not after either one of those. We're not after a fight, and we're not after flight. What we're after is reconciliation and glory to God. Um, so sadly, I'd say 80% to 90% is fight or flight. And so when you're responding to that confession, I think this is really good advice. Don't say it's okay or don't worry about it. I, that's something that I could see myself doing. You know, you, you've confronted somebody, they're engaging with you and you know, you're like, well, you know, cause it is, it's an awkward, difficult situation. I could tell you, it's okay. It's cool. It's, I understand, you know, I'm a, but I agree. You can't, um, justify sin. Sin is never okay. Um, you know, thank that person for coming and, and asking for, for forgiveness and, and, and confronting you for that. Um, you know, just, I, I think it's all great advice, Travis, just really, really good yeah, stuff. And you may need to confess. They may, there may be a counter confrontation there, loving confrontation. You may need to confess and then just repeat the process. You know? Yeah. There may be, need to be something that you need to bring up as well. And um, walk in full restoration. Yeah, after it's you're going to walk beside them. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow. Okay. Um, obviously, there might be cautions on some of that. You know, if you've got a, for example, a situation where a husband's beating a wife and he asks for forgiveness, might have to ease into the full reconciliation. There might be steps that are ne needed there, but you want you want to get there. There wants to be a there needs to be a plan to get there. You know, you, you need to ensure safety first. No matter what the depth of the fault, whether it's something you need to confess or um, restoration repentance, confronting a brother, being confronted. I think the biggest thing and the reason I love this is just to have a plan, like you said, just knowing what we're going to say and kind of what we're going to do. So 
What would your final nugget be for us today, Travis? You've always got a nugget for us. Oh, this is from William Skepter. He's a, a great preacher of yesterday. He says, many blush to confess their faults who never blush to commit them. <laughs> that cuts, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. I don't want to talk about it, but. You know, I don't mind doing it, but I don't, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> want people to know. That's right. That's God absolutely. knew the whole time, didn't he? Do you want to reach out to us? There's a couple different ways to do it, or actually one main way that we'd appreciate you doing in our email, faithfullyentrusted at gmail.com. You can always reach out to us there. Please shoot us an email. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Uh, if we can pray for you, or if there's a topic that you'd like to hear from us, we would love to hear from you. Again, faithfullyentrusted at gmail.com. That information is always in the link of this podcast. And remember, you can listen to this podcast wherever podcaster listens to. We know you're listening, so when you share the podcast with somebody, Apple, Spotify, um, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, <clears throat> there are several different platforms for you to be able to get to. Google Play is, is another one. So this has been uh, What Does a Mature Christian Look Like? We were on number nine today. Um, no stranger to confession, repentance, loving confrontation. Last week we talked about contentment, so we didn't engage you and ask you to go back and check out the past podcasts. We are on this today was number nine. We have three more to go, 10, 11, and 12, and we will work through those over the next few weeks. We really appreciate your listenership. Travis, give me that nugget one more time. It was really, really good. Many blush to confess their faults who never blush to commit them. Yeah, let's focus on that as we move forward this week. We'll be praying. Uh, you can always be praying for Travis and I as we go through our weeks and uh, build these podcasts. We do appreciate your listenership. For Dr. Travis Tyler, I'm Zachariah Pugh. Join us next time when we open God's Word to find out how Christ has faithfully entrusted us with His Word. We will see you next time. Have a great week. God bless.